to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello all and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. If you've not yet checked out our premium membership, well, come on, it's about time. We've added a swathe of new benefits to help your business stand out and to help you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a coaching session with little old me, entry to a great new private discussion group, access to our library of over 80 how-to videos, deals and discounts, and much, much more, all for just $99. So head to our join page to find out more. Now, Tammy Tansley is my guest today, and she runs a consulting and coaching business, helping organizations, teams, and individuals meander successfully through the world of work. In her role, she's learned a great deal about how people interact together, and we're going to look at some tips to handle tricky business relationships. Hello, Tammy. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. So, look, this whole thing of tricky business relationships, well... um, what I, what I, I guess the place to start is, what do you see as the main cause of conflict? You know, in our small businesses, what are the things that you observe are the, the, the precipitants of, the, of areas of conflict? Look, I think there's probably two main bits. One is um, a lack of communication or poor communication, and the other is expectations, Hmm. and differing expectations on behalf of different of the, of the parties yeah the, look it's um interesting uh, and I, it doesn't surprise me that you that you say communication but it's i mean my thought around this is that people who are poor communicators do they ever really realize they are i mean and how do you help them realize that they are yeah look that's a really good question i think um Often they don't realise that they are until someone sits down with them and explains the impact of um, the manner in which they communicate. Mm. Um, and once you start having those conversations with them, um, they can just, if, if the willingness is there, and of course you need some willingness to, to be there, but if the willingness is there, they can just do little things, they can adjust little things at their end that do make a huge difference. Um, so yes, I think there is... A, you know, I'm a coach, so I always believe in the capacity of humans to to grow and change. <laughs> right. um, and I think with the right um, intent and willingness, absolutely that that you know people can change and and do just tweak things that make yeah, it make okay. a big difference. Yeah, look, and it's interesting. And I guess um, you know, I would I would say personally that I have very very few per- conflicts in my in my business career. You know, thirty odd years. I could count them on one hand, if if that, mm-hmm. and and I'm not holding myself up as any great hero, but I mean, I guess what I'm what I'm thinking is, if anyone listening is saying, "Wow, you know, I have I I could count them on one hand each week," then yep. you know, perhaps that does, or each month, or each year, then perhaps that does flag mm, something needs to be done here. So. Um, now, the, the other point that you mentioned there about expectations. So clearly what you're talking about there is one person was thinking one thing's going to happen and the other person was thinking something else, which kind of also goes back then to communication, does it It, it not? does. Yeah. It does. It's the same thing. And mm. I guess um, people seem often scared to say, this is what I want. And mm. then if I'm not, if, you know, they, so they don't necessarily say this is what I want up front yep. and then often they don't get what they want and then they don't know how to say that's not what I wanted or if they do say that's not what they wanted, they do it in such a way as to provoke 
you know, disagreement or conflict at, at that point. So um, I think to the extent and, you know, that you can analyse why people, you know, aren't able to, to say what they want up front. That's a whole, you know, another topic, I think. Sure. But, um, being clear of this is what I expect. This is, um, you know, this is the parameters or the, the timeframes or whatever I've got around it. Are you able to meet that yeah. um, in, a, in a simple and clear language? And it sounds so basic, but people don't do it. Yeah, and that's, you know, again, and I, I, I promise you I am going to get us on to those great tips that you've got ready in a minute <laughs> if, I haven't, if I haven't undermined all of them. Um, the other thing I guess there is that is that so often I think as a kind of solo business, we, uh, if we're not careful, we tend to think the onus is on the customer or the client to tell us what they want. And to a degree it is, but the truth is any relationship, I guess, that starts where there is any lack of clarity over what does this person actually want, that's kind of, that's a, you know, that's a train crash waiting to happen, isn't it, in, from a conflict point of view. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it, it really, the onus really is on, on the, the soloist to be saying, to be clear, is am I understanding that it is X, Y, and Z? Mm. And, you know, give the person the opportunity to say, oh, that's not actually what I meant. Or yeah. in reverse, when the soloist is, is seeking services from other people, again, to just be overly clear. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, the person can always say, "Hang on, you know, come on, we've been over this. Yes. That's fine. I'd rather over communicate than, than yes. under communicate." But we very rarely get to the over communication um, yeah. point. Okay, so it's far better to be a slightly boring, tedious soloist yes. than it is to be one that's always confronting conflict. Okay. Exactly. All right. So look, let's let's dive in. So you've got you've got kind of five tips, and as I say, I, I might have pulled the rug out. No, no. Just, <laughs> so where should we where should we start, Tammy? Yeah, so I guess my, my number one tip was um, be clear on the end game. So if from a soloist perspective, the relationship um, that you're in conflict with is one which is one that you want to nurture or it's a long-term um, relationship or an important client, I think it's really important to um, to put the effort into getting to the bottom of why these conflicts are, are, are occurring and yeah. do something about it. Um, if it's a one-off transaction, perhaps you put less effort into um, into um, you know, getting to the bottom of you're not going to go and psychoanalyze you know mm. why that particular conflict is happening but i really think being clear on if this is a relationship that is worth nurturing then it is worth getting to the bottom of why conflict keeps occurring and do something yeah so, so that's tip one. okay let's just have a look at that for a sec then so if uh, as you say if, if it's kind of a one-off thing then you can you know as business owners we can put up with the boot and say god you know not wild about this person um but you know uh, projects nearly finished or products nearly delivered and then you know i'll wash them out of my hair and i won't ever deal with them again but as you yeah, say if, it, if it's an ongoing one then then yes we need to sort of get to the bottom of it. so how how do we do that though when we, let's say conflict has commenced we're there kind of wanting to deliver and get paid. Mm. How do we do it? How do we sort of hold up a flag and go, whoa, 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 we need to sort this out? How, how, do, yeah. you, how do we do that? Okay, so that goes to my next tip, which okay, is cool, what, good. <laughs> it's all working beautifully. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, what is the cause of the conflict? So, mm. you know, often we just have this unease that something's not quite right, but we can't actually pin point what the issue is. So I think this is really about stepping back and saying, where's the conflict coming from? Is it just that you don't like the other person? Is it that they rub you up the wrong way? Um, do they think differently or do they challenge your beliefs? Um, is it something that they're doing which you know is is 
contrary to what you've agreed, you know, what's the actual cause of of the um, the conflict? And I think here sometimes it's difficult to do this on our own. So having a friend or a coach or someone who you can sit with and actually try and unpick where it is that it's got to, what is the what is the the point that is causing causing the conflict? Um, I okay, think without so being able to. Can I just Sorry. quiz you there? So that that's that's interesting. So you're saying that what we we can and, and probably should do, particularly as a as a you know one person business owner, is rather than doing what I was sort of suggesting, where you kind of clumsily go into the client and go, okay, what's going on here? We actually do a little bit of brainstorming with a friend or a coach or a buddy, and try and figure it out ourselves. Well, I think it's if you're not clear on what you what the cause of the um, conflict is. Going, you know, headfirst into having a conversation with the client mm. can cause additional things because quite often the other person is is blissfully unaware and actually there there is no conflict from their perspective. Um, it's it's your own stuff that's causing the the um, annoyance. So being able to pinpoint it. So so let me give you an example. Say um, say you're in a relationship and um, say say you're a, a soloist with um, that has contracts in somebody else to to assist you yep. and your perception of the relationship is that you do all the work and the other person, right? So this is very common, right? Yeah. Um, now, if you were to, you know, blunder in and say, you know, you're really giving me the hoobie-doobies because you don't do any work and I do all the work and blah, 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 then the other person is going to react defensively and mm. on it goes. But if you're able to really unpick that with someone and say, why is it that, that you think that you do all the work, uh, bearing in mind that there's a lot of bias around um, the credit we give our own work versus the credit we give other people's work and we mm. always inflate our own work, um, then, you know, you can start to say, is that actually true or am I just putting more emphasis on the work that I'm doing, for example, than the person, that, more credit, am I um, inflating what I'm doing compared to what, you know, the, the other person's doing? And perhaps there is, you know, perhaps there's a little bit they need to do different, but is it as big as big an issue as as you know what I'm actually making it out to be. So mm. I think just being clear about that in the the first instance can help you determine the degree to which you need to take ownership for the conflict and the degree to which it's it truly is the other person, the degree to which it is just a complete lack of communication. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I guess again the thing is, you know, that sort of scenario that you painted is often, you know, we're we're busy in our businesses, aren't we? We're doing lots of stuff. So we, what we don't often do, particularly in these situations, is take a step back and kind of pause and just think about it a bit because it might, exactly. you know, as you say, it's not uncommon for, you know, the business owner to be thinking, oh, I'm doing all the work. What are these people doing? But yeah. in fact, if you look at it, actually, actually what these people are doing is allowing you to do all your work, you know, is clearing up all the debris kind of behind yeah. what you do. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's a good thing to, as you say, kind of as you're suggesting anyway, just slow down a little bit, pause a bit, unpack it a bit, have a look at it. Okay, so we can't. Yes, wanna, can, I, can I give you one other yeah, um, sure. example that um, you might be familiar with from your coaching times, yeah. which is one of the exercises I really love is if there's really um, a conflict that's really causing you um, distress, mm. is to do the exercise where you sit and you talk to a friend and you explain the situation from your perspective and the friend asks questions around the situation and then you swap and you explain the situation from the other person's perspective and you take on their persona. Mm. And again, just that the art of being able to look at the situation from someone other than, than yourself sometimes gives you um, – just ex gives you an insight into maybe it's not 
exactly what you think it is in terms of the conflict. Yeah, that's so good. I've just finished reading a book about uh, the teenage brain, probably because oh, right. I have a teenage yeah. brain living in my house at the moment, Yeah, uh, as in my son. And um, gosh, that's fascinating because when you actually do start to stand in that person's shoes in the way that you suggest and see the world through somebody else's eyes, it's like, whoa, is that really what it looks like? Is that really what yeah. it feels like? Is that the impression I'm giving? You know, but you, it for me, it took it took me sitting down and reading a book to get it. Um, mm. uh, and as you're suggesting, you know, that the, the, this other way is is to sit down with someone and and role play, which is role terrific. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've had our first one, kind of a just acknowledging and recognizing that there's something there in the first place. The second one, kind of getting to the bottom of where's it coming from, pinpointing from. Yep. it, pulling it apart. Yep. Where to next? Okay, so number three, I guess, is um, being aware of negativity bias. So be aware that the brain places a greater emphasis on negative interactions than it does on positive interactions. Hmm. So again, this is just about being aware and saying, is it really as bad as you think it is? Or are you pinpointing all the things that have gone wrong or that are negative compared to the things that are going right? Again, if someone objectively was looking at it, how would they describe the situation? Hmm. So this is not, or I guess this is, is this a sort of half glass half full, half half empty kind of? No, no. no? So okay, this is more good. saying that the brain um, look. So if all other things being equal, the brain will put a greater emphasis on negative experiences than it will on positive experiences. So if you are recounting hmm. um, a relationship, and there have been a number of negative experiences, the way that you recount it is more likely to be perceived as negative. Hmm. because of the way that the brain puts that emphasis on. So it's being aware of that and saying, okay, so maybe you've had two negative experiences and 20 positive experiences. The brain will emphasize those two negative experiences. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Okay. It's so, you know, so it's just, again, it's just being aware. Is this real? Am I making this up or is this real? Hmm. And again, you know, going back to that sort of um, that sense of a busy business, is just thinking about what you said, and I, I hadn't stopped to think about that negativity bias, as you as you call it, at all. Mm. But it's so often in our work, you know, we we charge ahead, and the the successes and the good things, we just kind of we just kind of float straight through those, don't we? But it's the negative do, ones that, that are like little spikes in the ground that we trip over, and yep. those are the ones our brain, as you're, you're saying, those are the ones our brain tends to focus on, not all the brilliant stuff that's flowed past in the interim. Mm. Exactly. I'm liking exactly. this. So, all right, number four. Okay, so um, resist the urge to do nothing. So, you know, we know that conflict is one of the most difficult things for people to um, to address. Yep. So having gone through those previous three steps, if you genuinely have come to the conclusion that there is something that, that needs to be done, we know that the brain will try and talk you out of doing something about it. You know, the old amygdala will do whatever it can to protect you, mm. and that is fight or flight, but it's yeah. usually flight. So they will come up with lots of really good rational reasons why it's a good idea not to do anything about it. Mm. And look, very occasionally it is a good idea not you know, to not do anything about it. Right. But usually if you've got to this point and you've actually thought it through, it actually the next step is actually doing something so, moving okay. forward. All right, so resist the urge, kind of get into the 
um, the position where you decide, okay, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going this. to do something so, about this. So yeah. we're not necessarily, are we going to move on to what to do? Is that what, the next? What to do. Oh, good. <laughs> what to do. Okay. <laughs> what Phew. to do. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're being so, brave. We've decided, no, you know what, even though I don't like conflict, even though, um, you know, I've got this negativity bias, I know there's something wrong, I need to fix it, I'm going to do something about it. Go for it. What do we do? Okay. So it sounds obvious, but what are you actually trying to achieve here? So, we, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about the end outcome. We've, we, we've talked about what the, um, the conflict is. What is it from your perspective that is the ideal outcome from this conflict? Is it just that you have a better working relationship? Is it that the particular product or the particular project is delivered? You know, what is it? So being clear on that and okay. then being clear on what is it that is getting in the way of that from your perspective. Mm. Um, then, so this is a lot of, a lot of this stuff is kind of planning and thinking before you get anywhere near talking to the other person. You'll see, mm. you know, we haven't, haven't got anywhere near the other person yet. This is all kind of working with ourselves or with somebody else. Can I just uh, um, just throw one thing in right there? How, yeah. I mean, presumably, and you must, uh, I'm guessing, kind of get these scenarios a, a fair bit in your coaching work, yeah. is when you have that question, you know, what gets in the way, is mm -hmm. there not a tendency for the person who really, really, really doesn't like conflict simply to answer what gets in the way is that person over there? Which isn't enough. Yes. That's not enough it's of not, an answer, not, is it? It's not. But that's why if you've done the previous work around, um, you know, what's the cause of the conflict, um, really drilling down to that, getting a look at from another person's perspective, all of that, hopefully it's not just as basic as okay. is the other person. So if you're, that's why we don't go straight to this. If okay. we go straight to that, that's exactly why someone would say right. that. It's, it's not me, it's them. Okay, so if somebody is at that point where they're saying it's it's them, it's them, it's them, then then basically go back to point one and start again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. because right. it's a relationship, right? So, yeah. you know, a relationship is two people. Um, and so even if it's them, it's them, it's them, something has happened along the way, which has caused that. So lack of clarity of communication, lack of clarity around expectations. You know, what is it? You know, we have to own some part of it. It's really that it's just one person that has completely stuffed it up. Yeah, okay. Okay. Great point. Well, All right. So point five is what so, to do so far. So I'm just recapping where we're up to. So yes. the first thing is, Kind of get clear what is it we're trying to achieve uh, then pull apart you know what gets in the way right yep and now you want to now you want to have a plan again okay. sometimes this is useful to do with a friend or a coach to actually say um how am i going to specifically address it um depending on what it, what it is you'll have a different plan around um different ways to to address the conflict and i, I wrote an article for flying solo um, a couple of months ago where we had a I think three or four different scenarios mm. where we actually gave a script for for the different scenarios so it'll depend um what you say and how you address it will obviously depend on what the particular circumstance is but being able to actually write it out and write a script and say okay this is what i'm going to say and practice that before again you get anywhere near the other person is helpful in that it starts to give you some confidence particularly for people who are not good with conflict to be able to start getting familiar with the words and being able to get familiar with actually holding you know holding their own and stating this is what i need to tell you mm. um, and which for a lot of people is quite difficult yeah i know and so uh it, for people listening that article and i do recall that article um, if yeah. you just head to flyingsolo.com.au you put tammy tansley in the little search bar you'll find all the great content that tammy's written um if 
do you recall the title of that particular piece? Um, something about conflict. Okay. <laughs> Business conflict. All right. <laughs> that's so, why I that. All right. That, no, that's fine. If you put yeah. Tammy Tansley yeah. conflict in conflict, the search bar, yeah. you'll you'll get there yeah. even quicker. But no, that's that's yeah. perfect. And I recall that. Yeah. And I remember you gave people scripts, which, as you scripts, say, yeah. is so often the thing that that um, that we struggle with. You know, we get to that point. We go, well, okay. I understand. I need to do something. I understand what's caused it. I understand. I need to take action. What the hell do I say? Well, what do I say? The good yeah. news is you've you've kind of answered it there. So yeah. can I just yeah. jump into one other point here? Um, yeah. That I'd just hearing this whole discussion, all you know, thinking about this whole thing of communication. To what extent does the um, the sort of the differing channels of communication to what extent do they contribute to this yes oh i love this yeah um so look i think we've all been on the end of a text message where we thought oh what's up with that person Mm. um when really it's just been that that person has you know done it literally on the fly so absolutely the the mode of communication makes a huge difference um so for for a number of reasons um, firstly, we, we know that there's research that shows um, that if someone reads an email, for example, and the email has been written with positive intent by the, the person who's written it, it is often received neutrally by the person who's reading it. Hmm. If, if an email has been written neutrally, the person who's reading it receives it negatively. So it's always read with slightly... Um, less positive intent as the person is reading it. So that sounds like a little strain of that negativity bias coming out again. Wow. Exactly. So really great research on that. Um, So we know that. So I would always advocate, if at all possible, do not do it in writing. So sometimes, sometimes there is no... There is no option but to put it in an email or a text. Sure. But really, that should be your last, last option. Because one, we know that. We know that whatever your intent is, it's likely not to be received as it was intended. Um, secondly, you've got no control over when the person receives it. So mm. they Good could – so email, say. You've, you've crafted this beautiful email. They could open it at the worst possible time in their day. And the reaction they're going to get then is that you're going to get then is very different to one where they're sitting there calm, ready to, you know, to have a conversation about it. So you've got no control over when they read it. And you've also got no ability to be able to clarify and um, respond to to queries that they've got. So it's a very static form of communication. It's just mm. you're, you're throwing your message out into the ether and hoping that it's received as intended, which we know is probably not going to happen. Yeah, so true. And look, and I think, you know, again, so often we our sort of intuition is is kind of telling us mm, there's something potentially brewing here. And that that's that's the danger when we're working so fast and we have so many things come at us that we we don't pause and act. We we just respond and, and then exactly. things escalate, don't they? I must just tell exactly. you, I read a fabulous article by Lucinda Lyons, who writes for us as well this week. Yeah. And she has this habit. She's a very creative woman. And um, when she's in the middle of doing emails, she's some, her mind sort of wanders a bit and she forgets who she's writing to and, <laughs> uh, in a quite delightful way. And uh, she, she signed off to, I, I think, a tradesman who was um, quoting to do some work for her and she just put at the end, I love you, Lucy. 
<laughs> first time she, I think she suddenly thought she was sending something to her son and she keeps doing this so um you know that's that's I guess that's that's probably has a, a good response but anyway I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it as a strategy no um so you know so, so to get back to the channels yeah. if at all possible being able to have a face-to-face um, conversation is 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 obviously best mm. um and again the amygdala is going to tell you all sorts of reasons why that's not a good reason and why sending an email or sending a text is a better way to do it. Um, but the reality is being able to sit down, understand, observe someone's reactions and modify your message accordingly is so much more powerful than mm. just lobbing the, the email or the text. Yeah. And look, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And it's funny, within within Flying Solo, I'm, I'm the person who makes the phone calls. Um, because if if things um, ever get a little bit out of hand, sometimes some of our you know chats or conversations in the forums can get a little bit heated between people, and um, I always get on the phone. And it's remarkable yeah. when you speak to somebody who appears to be melting down in a massive way. Um, when you get them on the end of a phone and listen and just let the person say what they want to say. Often, uh, well, every time, I've just been absolutely amazed by the delightful nature of people who've just unfortunately yeah. through dint of, you know, misreading something or a bit late at night or one too many glasses of red wine or something, it's just blown into something massive. But when you actually get to voice to voice and you hear someone and let them rant and talk and then go and, you know, a solution appears, but it does. If you does. stay on Always. in that same old written channel, gosh, it can just go the other no. way, can't it? And you've re- you've um, raised the the absolute kind of key bit in in the whole bit about conflict, which I think is you have to be clear on what it is that you need to say mm. and own your bit, but then listen. So, mm. what is the other person's um, perspective on it? Um, and that's not not listen with a view to oh, I'm you know I'm really just coming up with my next point that I can you know shoot yeah. them down with it's really but really listening, listening to what it yeah. is they've got really listening um to, to what they've got to say in their perspective and you know I think that obviously this this stuff sounds easy but it's it's much harder to do but the more you do it the more easy it does become yeah well good point quite right well look Tammy thank you so much for for sharing those tips and I think this will be one of those um, podcasts that will be good for people to bookmark and come back to if they do find themselves in this kind of situation. So if we want to find out more about the work that you do and read more of your sort of content, we head to Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, Tansley, T-A-N-S-L-E-Y, dot com, I think that's right. Dot com dot au. I'm sorry. That's okay. It. So look, okay. thank you so much for, um, for the articles that you write for us and for joining us My today. Best. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And look, before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly lovable business, we get you Flying Solo Premium Membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to our join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.